0: You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason.
1: It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast Today is Monday after Origins. I don't know the date. It doesn't really matter. You're listening to episode 367. uh, Episode 367. I am Jason here with Neil. Hi. At the beginning of our design weekend. It's an
0: honor just to be nominated.
1: We're in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Neither one of us live in Illinois, but here we are.
0: Okay, so we are looking at our Trello board, which honestly Jason has actually done quite a bit of work on...
1: Don't sound surprised. You would,
0: you would claim. I was saying you were gonna claim that you didn't.
1: No,
0: I was honestly thinking like Jason's gonna say that Neil did all of this and that you did <laughs> nothing. All right, so we've done oh, a bunch. I did that. Nice. I uh, did a bunch too. I did. I
1: did. It's not good podcasting because I said I pointed at something and yep. said I did that. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, it's you did something. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. So we did a lot of stuff. We did was on the game three coronations, which you did talk about on the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, I pitched the original idea for it, yeah. which it's changed drastically since then, but the the heart's the gist of it. The theme and the heart of the game is yeah. the exact same. There's so. going to be
0: three coronations, and right. the uh, the what we do is going to affect the upcoming air. Correct. So I laid out a bunch of cards using Component Studio, mm-hmm. which I'm quite competent with, but, uh, I'm becoming more and more doubtful that the average person is going to be able to do the things that I did.
1: Yeah. No component studio, uh, what's his name, JT, JT, I almost said junior I'm like, it's not JR. JT from the game crafter offered to give me like a tutorial, like a live tutorial basically. Um, and I want to do that at some point, but when I looked at it, yeah, it's, um, it is for someone who wants to really dig in and it will automate the heck out of what you want to do and make your life way easier. If you're the type of person who that stuff works for. Um, and, and
0: you're willing to do a lot of math and equations and stuff right. to get the card layout you want.
1: Right. So the good news is I'm working with Neil, <laughs> and Neil really loves that kind of stuff.
0: And it's amazing for me. It works so, really well
1: yeah. for me. So, uh, so that was cool because like uh, we have these cards called Royal Air Cards uh, for, um, for three coronations, and... Ahead of time, I kind of laid out, this is what I kind of need. Something like this. And Neil was just like, okay. And he just put it in a component studio and then was able to make it automate a lot of stuff with it. And so that was really cool. Um,
0: yeah, it's like a five by 20 grid. So not having to manually change all those numbers. Right. Great. Yeah. And we don't, we're still not really sure whether those numbers are good or not. We're going to...
1: And we noticed some things too. Like I was looking at the cards for the Royal Air cards and realized that some of those some of the abilities in those are out of date because we've made some changes to the game. Or, or actually, I think in that case it was actually I understand something about the game better than I did before. Um, So that's cool. Um, Yeah, I feel really good about the idea of where it's going.
0: So that's our main thing that we're working on this weekend. Yeah,
1: that's the big game. Uh, We also have um, a very small card game project that I mentioned on the show before. We're not saying what it is. It's a game about fish. Okay, we'll call it the fish game. That sounds good. Uh, So the fish game... We are working on for something different to show to somebody outside of the industry, but then also looking to show it to a company inside the industry and actually already have a, a tentative pitch set up to show that to them. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about it right now is it's 12 cards and a really interesting way to track data on those cards. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, we, have a,
0: we have a hook and a gimmick and yeah. all the things that you would need.
1: Right. And so we think it's going to work. Uh, We don't know that so that's another main one. We're gonna test this week and the nice thing is it's a small compact easy game Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll be able to get fire through some play tests Um, In addition to that I brought dimensional duels a very first prototype of that uh, which is my arena card game with dice And uh, I don't know if that's that might just be the worst (laughs) We're gonna find out uh, and test that out.
0: Nothing's ever the worst,
1: right? No, I don't know I've made some games that were the worst (laughs) so uh, I made this game called six gun shogun one time uh, and then made everybody test it at Gen Con. And we did a six-player playtest for the first playtest ever. And everybody was like, I don't know what I'm doing in this game. Like, I don't know what my goals are. Like, I'm not sure. And it was, it was, re- it was like I had this inspiration and I threw it together and then it was terrible. So mm. it would, that, I think that was the worst game I've ever tried. Uh, Rob would probably agree with that.
0: Uh, and then I brought a game that I designed mm-hmm. that is about halfway done. And I was completely stuck with it when I went to Photospiel. <laughs> Minneapolis in January
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and um, my friend Peter Yang uh, who I don't know if listens to the podcast or not um, but he um, told me that it sounded like a, another game and I was like yeah that sounds like it and I went through and started thinking out how it looked like the, like the other game and that created all sorts of like strategy for what I wanted to do next. Oh nice. Okay, So that's where I kind of I've so in, in the spirit of the way that we generally work together I've, I've created a framework in which right. I would like you to design. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so this will be interesting because this is kind of reversed. Because yeah. so far it's mostly been, hey, Neil, I'm working on this game and I'm stuck. Can you take it and make it work? And Three Coronations is a really good example yeah. of that. It started with, hey, I've got this cool idea and I know what it needs to do, but I can't figure out how to make it do it. The mechanics are escaping me and then mm-hmm. you structured it. And it works now, yeah. in theory. Well,
0: hopefully, <laughs> yeah. We're going to see how well
1: it goes. We're going to find
0: out. I think it's got, we've got enough bones to it that we can... Find some strategy somewhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and then just I brought I brought a couple of my games just to show you.
1: One game I brought that I didn't tell you I was going to bring to have you play because I need some other I need someone other than Rob to try it. Um, and uh, Rob and Katarski both played it, and they both said, "Oh, this is fun. This is cool." But um, is uh, Dodgy Dinos, Josiah's game? Okay. Um, because I, um, it'll it, it's it works like it's it's fun. Um, but like, I'm just looking for that, like little bit of extra, like, is there anything we could do? Mm -hmm. Like, I would love to have like a slightly simpler version of the game to like be able to be able to play with the idea of here's a kid's version. Here's an adult's version. Um, right now we're at a version where I think about 10 plus can play and Josiah can play it because he helped design it. So he gets, he understands how it works, but you know, to give it to like another seven year old, I think they would be like, I don't get it. Right. Um, so I want to do one playthrough of that, and that game plays in like 15 minutes. So um, he was very excited. I promised him I'd take pictures of us playing it, because nice. he was very excited about We need about to remember that. to
0: take pictures. I'm yes. very bad about taking
1: pictures. So um, if, we, if we did take a bunch of pictures, we'll post a bunch of pictures of everything we can. Yeah. And then, uh, so that's kind of the plan, is to play a lot of games, to work on a couple of games. Um, I ended up bringing my printer. We both have laptops. Uh, I brought a big box of just random game components to use. So, honestly, the one box of Game components pretty much could cover anything we have to do. I also brought blank dice. Nice. Which we we need for uh, three coronations. (laughs) And I found uh, some stickers to put on said dice. But I was making a dimensional duels dice. Yeah, and we can make it work with regular dice. But it'd be nice to just be able to draw on it so that we know, you know, what it is without having to follow a reference chart every time. So, yeah. So those are our goals. Um, The idea is that we're going to check back in Who knows? We may record several little chunks of this and just cut back in, but we will do a final recap where we say, here's what we accomplished, here's what we didn't accomplish, or wow, we did everything we wanted to and a ton more. It was amazing. What a great idea. So, yeah. All right. I think that's, do we have more for now, or is that everything? I think
0: that's everything I got.
1: All right. We'll see how it goes. Uh, We'll be back in an instant for you, but time for us. (laughs) Basically, it's like time travel.
0: We're going to go walking.
1: All right. Bye. Bye. And just like that, we're back. (laughs) Hello, we're back. Uh, We said we were gonna check in multiple times. Uh, We ended up working really hard, honestly, and not having time to do that. So uh, we're back uh, at the end of our time. We've done all of the design we'll probably do. We're still talking about games. We're gonna have lunch after this and talk a little more about a couple things. But um, in my opinion, uh, we didn't do everything we said we could do, uh, but we frankly did more than I expected us to do. Yeah. Uh, so the fish game we mentioned before, um, we can talk more about that in detail in a bit, mm-hmm. um, but that is locked in. I mean, like yeah, it great. is, we're now just talking about some flavor stuff for pitching it, but we feel really solid about the gameplay. Mm-hmm. That game is a game that probably would have taken us a couple months to design had we been doing it back and forth, yep. like even over tabletop simulator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead we were able to make huge substantial changes literally on the fly. Like, yeah. let me just write on this card. Let's just try this. And what we ended up with is, uh, one of my favorite games I think I've ever worked on. Right. So. Still, out, like it came out really, you know, it's a six card
0: game in terms of it's got six actions in it. Yep. Six actions. But really like every single thing felt like it was affecting things in ways that you could predict and ways right. that you couldn't predict and. The final game we played, we tied on on everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, which shouldn't happen consistently, but if it does, it's honestly not a big deal for this game.
0: Um but well chose I mean it was strategic. Like we we figured out if we had made like if I had made like a slightly different decision, then I would have lost. So like
1: substantially. Like you would have lost by two or three points and instead we tied um because you made a smart decision uh to to block me. What I like about it is there's so there's six actions, and every action you take has an effect on you. Well, almost every action has an effect on you and an effect on other players. One of the six actions has one of two effects on you, depending on what it looks like in the game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the dual action cards really make a huge difference. That um, you know, you take an action and then it affects all other players at the same time. What's so cool about it is, rarely do you feel like, wow, I really don't want that action. Like mm-hmm. I feel hosed that I had to take that action. Yeah, and and you're just as likely to. Um, be picking an action to do something to other players as you are picking the action for the part you get for yourself. Yeah. And I think the actions are, are balanced really well that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that some of the actions, like the best actions for you are also the best actions for other players and vice versa. The actions that aren't as strong for you are negative effects on other players. So I, I feel really, really solid about it. Those are even things
0: where like you can do something to lock out another player from kind of stealing stuff from you. Yep. But then the other player can then give you a surplus of that. So then they can steal from you anyways. What I would consider a good outcome of an action selection game is that like I can benefit from this situationally. Yeah. Right. Like I can use the secondary effect uh, in this way, in this situation that I couldn't use it in in any other situation. Right. And a lot of
1: the cards work like that. Right. And there's, there's one card in particular that gives uh, it gives basically gives you two like victory points or um, sales as we're calling them right now. Mm-hmm. And it gives you those two things, right? But then it gives a huge bonus to other players. And depending on where you're at in the game, Neil and I would be fighting for who would not have to pick that card sometimes, right? Because yep. like sometimes I wanted the two points. But other times I just really needed you to take it so that I could get the other bonus because it, it increased two other things for me. Yep. So um, – so, yeah, I, I just felt super, super solid about it.
0: Um, and we were kind of, I mean, when, when I got a game working uh-huh. before we came here, and I was a little worried that it wasn't going to work for two players, but it was great for two players.
1: Yeah, well, we made some, we, we changed one thing. Yep. That, so it used to be that basically you, um, you're tracking on one side, you're tracking kind of like a community track of potential ways to score, or a, poten- a pool that you can score from. Yeah. And on the other side, you're tracking your personal resources that allow you to purchase those potential things, right? Yeah. To, to buy those resources. Yeah. And the way originally Neil had it was you could only buy resources from other players, yeah. never from yourself. Yeah. Honestly, the only reason I thought to change that was because of the wording we were using. It made it feel like those are my resources, not yours. And you're like, no, they're everyone's resources. And then so everybody has a chance to buy them. Um, so we just flipped it and said, they are my resources, I get to buy them, but you could take a card that lets you steal them from me, yeah. or buy them from me to benefit yourself, which has no benefit to me, but also I can take a card that locks in those two of those resources so yeah. that I can buy them and you can't stop me. What that also turned into was the ability to set the turn order, so basically the six cards are out, and we've now got the six cards numbered, so you put them in a certain order... And then once everyone has picked all the cards, when you use an action, you flip it over face down, right? Once you've taken all those actions, those cards are in order now. And it actually tells you the steps to do for the next phase, which is, you know, the person who picked this, the one, gets to buy from themselves. The person who steals gets the steal. Then everyone else can buy from themselves like normal. And then it tells you... If this is our if you've reached a certain point goal, the person with the highest points wins, and the game is over. Yeah. If not, rotate the first player to the left and start the new round. And so, and then you flip all the cards back over. And so it was very fortuitous that we were able to just get it all in like everything's right there. The rules will 100% fit on a card. Yeah. Uh, for the base rules of the game, so we're we're super stoked about it. And then we're using these little clips to do tracking of scores. The clips are ridiculously cheap, easy to use. And uh, they allow the way that you hold the cards, it allows you to see your resources because you're holding your card up instead of letting it sit on the table. And it also means that all of your opponents can see your resources as well because the cards are double-sided. Mm-hmm. So, in that matters because people, of course, if they're thinking about taking the card that allows you to steal resources from someone else, they can see who's got resources. Because that card, for instance, allows you to, to steal in this only if you have the resources of yourself, like the personal Resources to do so yeah. it allows you to steal from those those people one from every player So in a six-player game when it plays up to six you could potentially take five things if you Had the internal resources yeah, the to do that yeah, The capability five to five five things then you can which frankly won't happen very often But when it does it'll be epic um, Especially since the game only scores to ten mm. and then you can overscore <laughs> So yeah, we still we're gonna be testing it probably at origins yeah. because we're gonna want to see what it plays like with uh, We tried it with three Uh, We're going to want to see what it plays like with four and five uh, and six. Duh. So we have a couple concerns that six might be a little awkward for a couple of the cards. They just won't be as good. Mm -hmm. But we're going to figure that out. Worst case, I would say like 100% this could be a two to four player game. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it was a two to four player game instead of a two to six player game, uh, it drops two cards out of the game. And a lot of clips. Uh, And a lot of clips. So uh, because there's three clips per player. You know, at that point, you'd be out out down to 10 cards and 12 clips. Mm-hmm. So would fit nicely in a wallet. That's all I'm saying. That'd be cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if we knew someone that sold wallet if games. If
1: we knew somebody that sold wallet games, we should we should, we should should hit that guy up. Yeah.
0: And then we have someone else that we were trying to pitch it to as
1: well. Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of the genesis of all yeah. this. Um, and why would we be pitching it to two people... At some point, we should be able to explain that, but yeah. not right now. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be; a, shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, it, I cannot imagine it would be a problem. Uh, probably it would just be a retheme. Yeah, it's something very outside of the design world. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where the fish game is at, and we feel really good about well, that. We um, basically
0: finished that Friday night.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we uh, so Saturday morning we got up. So every morning, well, both mornings, we got up. We went to the coffee shop, uh, and so just this town has town coffee. Is great. Yeah, Ottawa, Illinois. Tell your friends, like. So we uh, we went and played it, and then we made some changes Saturday morning, yeah. but all the changes we were making were basically like small tweaks with uh, wording and stuff like that mm-hmm. to make things a little more clear and a little more fun. So that was fantastic. Really, really happy with how that ended up. Uh, but yeah, so real quick, uh, an aside about Ottawa, Illinois. So Neo picked this town because they had a good coffee shop, basically. That's Isn't that's my says? bench. That's yeah. my benchmark. Uh, and their Jeremiah Joe, their coffee shop, is fantastic. It's mm-hmm. this huge open space. Lots of people. We've lots on of We a big fun. leather couch. Yeah, we did, yeah. And in front of a big uh, table. But they had a lot of, like, little spaces where people could meet and stuff and mm-hmm. sit and talk. And that was cool. So many coffee shops don't have that much space. They had yes. a stage, which no one ever used when we were there <laughs> in the morning. Uh, we considered it. But the, also, the first night we had dinner at, uh, oh, the, the Lone Buffalo. Lone Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a brew pub. That was really good. That yeah, was really good. Uh, and then uh, yesterday we had lunch at a place called Esther's Sueño, uh, which was, I mean, like, and I mean this in the most intriguing way, literally a hole in the wall, yeah. like, restaurant. Like, it was just, like, a room. Like, I, I actually sent a message to my wife. I said, I felt like we just walked into this, like, this old lady's house and she's cooking for us. Yeah, there wasn't even a real door. No, no. Or a cash register. Yeah. Like, we gave her cash and then she, like, went somewhere and, like, there. yeah, got the box out of it. Um, but it was amazing. Yeah. The food was really great. She made it right there, like right next to you, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. And I felt like we couldn't top that. And then Neil found Bash, uh, which stands for Burger and Sushi House. And we went there. It's like a giant, swanky, yeah, it's
0: crazy a, place.
1: It is a place that you would see in downtown Chicago, yeah. not in a small town in Illinois. But wow. Food was amazing. Yeah. I had a roll, a tempura, shrimp, shrimp tempura roll in a, in a burger that had bacon and mac and cheese on it. Mm-hmm. That was good. You had, what did you have? I had like a lobster roll, like the sandwich kind of lobster roll. Yep. Yep.
0: Uh, and then the Ottawa roll. Yeah. Yep. Which is spicy tuna and, and a special sauce. And I don't know, They're both yeah. delicious.
1: It was real good. So, that was cool. Uh, we we've, So, we've been really happy. Like, we certainly, like, if we were to do this again, and I, I feel like at some point we probably will because it was so worthwhile.
0: Yeah.
1: I um, mean, fairly inexpensive for a trip. I mean, this was cheaper than us going to Unpub, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And we, I think we got just as much work done as we would have at Unpub. And we have two um, more beds in this house as far as that goes. Yeah. So, yeah, if anybody else is interested, <laughs> design something. But so, anyways, it uh, it was worthwhile. That, so after we finished uh, the fish game, we focused on uh, Three Coronations next, yeah. uh, which I pitched loosely on the show a long time ago. I wanted a game where you were advisors to a monarch attempting to keep the kingdom running, sometimes in, with the help of the monarch, other times with the fact that the monarch is driving it into the ground. Mm-hmm. You're trying to keep it afloat. But at the same time, there's a, there's a royal heir coming in, and that royal heir is witnessing all the things you're doing the Game of Thronesy style things, where the backstabbing and stuff, and uh, making actions that are not great, mm-hmm. uh, and by the actions you're taking to attempt to keep the kingdom running, the the royal heir is witnessing that, and that is affecting who they will become when they grow up, and yeah. be- and they become the next monarch. And hey, that happens three times; hence, three coronations. So the other thing you're trying to balance is you have. Win condition cards, uh, and this is something that was added later, but I, I had said, I want some we'd, way to win, We had planned to do this, we just couldn't have a good format for right. it. Right, and we, we figured that out. We cracked the code. We still have some work to do on that, um, but it's already... So what the win condition cards are, is you're looking to create certain situations, and then every time there's a coronation, you have the ability to score one, one of your five cards, and it's worth five points if you score it. However, if you can score it at the end, it's worth ten points. Or it's worth double. They're you not all dis- five ten, yeah. yeah. And you have to discard one no matter what. Yes, yeah, so you have to play one even if you can't score. Uh, so you're losing a card every round. And what's stressful is, you know, you kind of have an idea of what the cards are because you have certain cards. So like I have a card that was trying to keep a resource below five was one of my cards. And Neil kept pushing a resource down, one of the resources down. So like I was actively not playing cards that would allow Neil to do that because I didn't trust him. Yeah even though we're supposed to be working together to save the kingdom. So that was that was really cool, that feeling of like distrust that it, that it sowed between us, or like, I feel like I can't play these cards, so I, I waited till I got a different card to play. And, and the advisor cards that you play, uh, the way those work now, and this is largely Neil's, this is pretty much, I wanted cards, and I was like, I don't know how they work. <laughs> and then Neil came up with a system where everybody's got tokens, and on one side they have a, a vote number, like the number of votes or points you're assigning to something. And for a two-player game, the four tokens you have are zero, one, two, three. Yep. As you scale, you always have four tokens to vote with. But in a four player game, for instance, it's zero, zero, one, two. Yeah. There's always a total of twelve points. Right. And then the cards that get played out have a ranges on them from low support to support to high support. Mm-hmm. Depending on those, they have two actions. One they will either increase or decrease a track, uh, which is like one of your four re- core resource tracks, or oh, that's what you're scoring uh, on. yeah, that's what you're scoring on. Yes, or and or it will also affect the air by having negative or positive actions. And what that's emulating is, for instance, like the, so the cards are going to get a bunch of flavor text, and they're all going to be a specific thing like your your allies are calling for aid, and if no one supports that, then they're they see, oh wow. We don't care about our allies. So that pushes them in a negative direction towards that. Because they have four kind of personality traits. But each one of those ties back to how they will feel about a resource when they become a monarch. And so the way the game works is you do those three. You start with a, a monarch in place. You play four rounds. The monarch dies. New coronation. You do that three more times. Well, you do that two more times. The third coronation happens. You play four more rounds. Uh, with that Monarch, but instead of your normal things that are happening, it you've reached overthrow mode. And what that is, is there's no heir. So now you're attempting to become the Monarch, and you're doing that with the points you've built up. Like, whoever has the most points in the end becomes the new Monarch. But in addition to that, you also, we're, we're looking at some different ways to score that last round. Like, maybe possibly um, co-opting the, uh, the track that we're using to track the Royal Heirs because there's no royal air, replacing that with a card that allows you to track something about yourself in one of those four lines. We're not certain about that yet. I'm, I'm more for that than Neil is at yeah. this point. Well, because of the, it, it, like, so that, I mean, that, that kind of gets into what is interesting
0: about some of the decision cards is that a lot of the time what you're looking at is uh, you want to manipulate resources. And the way that, that, that those decisions affect the air, is sort of unrelated to those things. Mm-hmm. So you, might, if you're really desperate to drive up a resource or drive down a resource, you might not care about how it affects an air. Right. So it might, if you're trying to drive down a resource, it's always going to affect the air, right? right the, the way that we have it right now. But you might also have another card that lowers the air, lowers or raises one of the air attributes as well, just based on what, what people have voted on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you get you get in a situation where, in some situations, you don't care what happens to the air. You right. just want to handle some sort of resource. Right. right. And then you have other situations where the air attributes are like bottoming out or mm-hmm. going up super high. And in those situations, you're going to try to find a card that affects the air that you want in a way that you think other people are going to be voting. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you want to pick a card that says like, I'm going to drop this air resource by a couple or raise it by a couple because I think people are going to vote this way. Right. And a lot of what you're doing is, is kind of predicting how you think other people are going to vote. Right. Uh, and right. then... The way the categories break down is that there's a there's a card where low support is easier to hit. And that guarantee... It, it helps you guarantee that you can drop a resource that's getting too high. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other cards where um, getting high support is easy. But it's not as effective as, as the other card, which is where getting high support is harder.
1: And if you fail to get high support on the easy high yes. support cards, you take a huge punishment yeah. on both for the air and for the other. Basically, it's like... It'd be a card like our people are starving. Should we give them food? Yeah. And then you don't. So that happens. The air sees, wow, we we don't help our people, yeah. and your people and your food resources go even lower because you're not trying to to push them up. Yeah. Well, like the main support is always a plus one,
0: so you always get a little bit towards it. Right. But the idea is that like with with things that are pretty easy to get to high support. If you don't get a high support, the air. Drops like minus two, I think, is what it does. Right. And the ones where um, it's uh, harder to get high support, you only drop it by minus one. Right, right. Um, but then you go up a lot if you if you get that higher
1: vote. Right. And one of the cool things is, so we brought all this stuff to where we could reiterate, like we could just iterate on the game. Yeah. And I honestly, huge shout out, the saving grace for this weekend for that has been Component Studio. Yeah. So Neil uses Component Studio. I don't. I, I You know, I got in and tried to use it and it was just... It was too much for me. Uh, Neil, as a developer, uh, you know, this, this... I'm doing fancy stuff with it. Yeah, he's doing very fancy stuff with it to where, like, we could say, hey, we need to change this value, and he could just go through and be like, click, click, and then it would be on all the cards. Or, hey, Neil, we need to create new cards with all these different values. He would make a table, push it out there. Ten minutes later, we had 40 cards mm-hmm. that were all different values based on a table we had filled out earlier, the spreadsheets we're using using Google Sheets uh, mm-hmm. and Google Docs, and then we just printed them on the printer. Sliced them up with two of us, which slicing up a prototype with two people is really good. Yeah. Neil had the idea to print on cardstock so that we could avoid or heavy paper so that we could avoid sleeving cards. Forty yeah, five
0: pound paper, which,
1: which I was I was skeptical about at first, I'll admit, but worked out pretty well. I think that for Origins, we will absolutely yeah. sleeve the cards because yeah. they are a little harder to work with. Before we what we were doing, it was great. Iterate, um, iterating
0: iterating uh, really helps to have. Like card,
1: yeah, put
0: yeah. it out rather than sleeves.
1: So, uh, so that was a really big deal. And we did that with the fish game as well, constantly just like, let's pre print this, let's try this. And it, it really showed what we could do, you know. And the other thing we weren't afraid to do, which I think is really important, is we would be playing something and it wasn't working. And we would say, Well, how could we fix this? What if we did this or this? And then we would change it. And oh, wow, this is working. And mm. a great, uh, example with three coronations. So, with three coronations, the randomizer is every round you're rolling f- at least five dice now, sometimes yeah. six, yeah. Uh, and those dice are negative dice. So the dice, there's there's one for each resource type, and then sometimes there's two for resource types based on other factors adding those into the game. And when you roll those dice, the values on the dice used to be zero, minus one, minus one, minus two, uh, an X, which stands for season, which I'll get to in a second, and then a crown, which is what, what is the monarch going to do about this? And the monarch, based on what it is, would give that resource a plus or a minus or nothing uh, based on how you raised the, uh, the heir to be, right? What you made their personality. And we immediately saw that things were not going down fast enough. Yeah. So we said, okay, zero is minus two. So now we're minus one, minus one, minus two, minus two, X and crown. And that fixed a huge amount of problems just right there. And it made it so, like, part of the win conditions is, like,
0: wanting stuff to go down. Right. And, like, it made it so that if you wanted stuff to go down, you just didn't
1: prop it up. <laughs> right, Yeah, Which is kind of one of the things that we wanted to happen in the game, right? Too. But then we also ran into issues where, like, where things would get out of control going, going too high or yeah. too low because of the monarch, you know? And then, so the monarchs, they have those things, and then they also have something called a double crown roll, which means if you've rolled two or more crowns, then they... Take a special action, a variable player power basically for them, or a variable NPC power I guess as it is, where it basically makes you not happy. (laughs) Like That can be one of the the ones we tried that actually Neil was a little worried about, but I think it was pretty awesome, was it makes you randomly discard a voting token for that turn, which means you don't actually get to, you're missing one vote on the four cards that are going to be out there.
0: I threw out a three both times, which is my highest vote.
1: Right, so... So that drastically changed how the game worked like for that round. Mm-hmm. And then it's done, right? Yeah. And you don't roll three crowns a lot. I'm mean, two crowns a lot cuz there's only one in each die. But but it does happen. By adding more dice, we saw it happen more. Yep. So so it was it was really cool to see how all of that worked. And then another thing uh, along those same lines, the uh, season. So the season the, is the X value. Uh, and basically every round of the game, the season would change. Uh, and that season would affect the value of X on the die, but then would also show you what to expect next for the next monarch for a struggle, which would basically be like four effects that would be in play for the whole time of, the, of that reign of that monarch. Yeah. Uh, two of them are to add dice, so generally you end up with two extra dice. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, you've got ones that say if something's not at a certain level then something else happens. You've got one that, that makes the personality of the Royal Air get more affected based on uh, what's happening. Yep. I I'm, could not be more excited about how well it's playing. I think Origins is going to be really helpful because we can do some real some real playtesting of things like wind conditions and stuff, mm, right? Yep. To, to look for new solutions with wind conditions. Um, but a lot of it... One of, so one of the things I was worried about that Neil wanted to do that actually has paid out really well is... Um, so the game is as if it were being played by four players at all times. Yeah. So with these advisor cards that we're putting out to, to take actions, right? Um, or decision cards. I call them decision decision cards. cards. Yeah. So every round, everyone plays a decision card. So in a two player game, uh, well in a, in a four player game, I should say first, everyone picks a card and puts it face down, and then we all reveal at the same time. Mm. Uh, because there's no randomness there, right? Because everyone is choosing what they would like to do. Yeah. Um, but in a two- or three-player game, the number of missing players to four, those cards are randomly revealed. Mm -hmm. So what that means is like off the top of the deck, the first thing we do in a two-player game was we would take two random decision cards and put them face up. Um, What's great about it is it means that the math always works for your 12 12 points to vote with uh, and your four voting tokens. So you're always going to take one voting token and put it on each card. Um... I was worried about the randomness for that, but the cool thing is you see those cards ahead of time, right? So I see the two cards that come out, and so does Neil, and then each of us are deciding now how to fill in those gaps. Um, You know, or how to screw the other guy over by playing another card that's gonna force a vote a certain way. Um, And and that's worked really, really well. I'm very interested to see how it actually works with four players, because with four players you're actually gonna have less information because
0: uh, but more strategy because voting. I mean, that's where, yeah. That, that as far as things go, that that's what makes it really kind of balanced. Is that you. One of the things that one of the things that we that seemed really cool as we we're playing it is that it started to very much feel like we were running a country. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was like we you look at the board and you're like, well, this is getting too high. This is getting too low. Right. Like we need to we need to deal with this stuff, and we picked cards that really dealt with this stuff really well right and then i think for the most part we voted the way that we thought that yeah like i i I kind of had a feeling for how you were gonna vote right you kind of had a feeling for how i was gonna vote right and a lot of the times what we wanted to happen is what happened
1: right what did change that a little bit in the last version we played was the win condition cards to where i would be like oh well neil wants this to happen so he's gonna vote with this with me and then he wouldn't and i was like dude But it was because he was gunning for his wing. Then I was like, okay, well, I can't trust him to always do what I expect him to do. So the next round, I wanted to play a card, but I didn't because I thought, well, he could probably... If if this is his goal, which I'm predicting this is what Neil's personal goal is, I want to try and avoid that.
0: But it felt very intuitive. I think that's what what was neat about it is we were playing these cards because we kind of knew what needed to be happened. And we were... I wasn't min-maxing anything. I felt like I was... I felt like we had problems that we needed to address. Right. I felt like I knew how it was going to affect the air. I felt like I kind of knew how you were going to vote. And it it just, it started to feel very much like we were playing the game.
1: Right.
0: Or like we were in the world. And like, what's neat is my win condition is that I wanted to have um, abundance, like of food and resources and stuff, Mm -hmm. um, and innovation be higher than the other two tracks. Right. And so it's like, I feel like, we were talking about it afterwards, like my role is basically like, I'm a tech guy, and, you know, right. in modern times, right? Like where I right. want, I want abundance and I want innovation and I'm willing to sacrifice everything else. Right. For yeah. I'm willing things.
1: to sacrifice patriotism and, and, um, peace and peace to right. have those things. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was really know.
0: fun playing, like, playing,
1: yeah. was Neil was, was basically was, big brother.
0: Yeah. But it was fun because I was like playing this character and I felt like what I was, the decisions I was putting up, the way I was voting, like mirrored those things. And I felt like I knew that I was doing harm to the air. Right. And I knew that I was doing harm to the country.
1: And you didn't care didn't because care. you were getting points. And yeah. like
0: we were keeping things within some boundaries, right? right? Like so it it was a neat
1: feeling and, to play the game. And the wind condition cards are meant to like so the the tracks are zero to twenty. So several of the wind condition cards are pushing one of the re, well, eight of the wind condition cards are pushing one resource to fifteen or higher, which is dangerously close to the top. Yeah. Or five or lower, which is dangerously close to the bottom. Now, if you hit the top of the bottom, that's something we were still little fuzzy about and we frankly still are so the first time if someone hits the top of the bottom uh, if you force that to happen we're going to introduce a new die into the game that will make it more volatile it's basically the dice is that 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 die is going to be um three crowns and three x's so it guarantees that the crown will have an effect or the season will have an effect which thematically what that is is the the monarch sees you guys are screwing up and says i got this don't worry But, of course, they probably don't got this because you've likely made a monarch who's making very bad choices. So, And then the the idea between the monarch and the season are if the monarch can't handle it, the season of what's happening in your reign is just taking over. Yeah, it's more intense. So everything's been very thematically justified. And the last thing we should probably say, because we're getting low on time here, is we want to add flavor text to all the cards to back up the things like, you know, yeah. Neil's like, I feel like this, this big brother type person who's willing to make these sacrifices, like, great, like, let's have flavor text that pushes you towards that and give the card a name. They're like, oh, wow, me scoring this card means I'm the warmonger, yeah. like do like to give people some force them to have to think like, is this what I want to yeah. do? Like, but they want to win. So probably, you know, yeah. just there's, I think there are a lot of fun stuff we can do with that. So, so yeah, so that's one of the things we're going to look into. And, yeah, um, and like
0: I would, I've always imagined that all the decision cards would spell out the situation that you're in, right? Like, right. If, if you're low on food, the, the one where it's really easy to get the high value, right? Like that's something that's very basic. Right. And then the, like the super weak, like if you fail that one, like the, all that you're doing is like paying lip service to the problem, right? Right. Yep. So I w- that, that's one of the things I want to convey, like the ones that have like a minus two effect on uh-huh. the air. I want it to be like, everyone's starving, so you just, you know, you open the thing and you say, let them eat cake. Right. And, and the air sees that, because you, you failed this pretty easy vote, Right. So yeah. I want to I have it to where these decisions yeah. are, depending on how, the way that the range works, a, a very, like, weak response, a very strong response. Right. Uh, and, and have all that text, so even though you're playing a game, you, you still, like, have some context for the actions that you're doing. Right. And I think it should feel really super thematic. It already feels yeah, good, and then yeah, it's going to feel better. Yeah,
1: I think that's just going to help really solidify all of it. So so that's three coronations. So unfortunately, I just realized this episode is going to be posting after Origins. Okay. So I was going to say, hey, if you're going to be at Origins, look us up. We'll be at the Unpumped table. We'll be. Hopefully, we will have tweeted about that, yeah. and you saw that. And if you were there, you came and played it. We already have some particular people we're going to force to come play it because mm-hmm. of the people whose opinions we really like. So hopefully that worked, and they did play it. Uh so the other the next game we looked at was Neil played dodgy dinos uh which i've mentioned before is that's josiah and i's game there were a couple of sticking points that i'd been unhappy with in the game one of them i was able to uh fix before i came here the next one i was just a little unsure of what to do with it and i didn't know if it was an issue or not and neil pointed out the way the actions worked uh that there was a way to simplify the actions And then we tried it that way. Basically, some people – sometimes you could take two actions. Other times you could take one action depending on the cards you had. Um, And Neil proposed, why not just make it always be one action? And you know what? That – he said, I think that will make people work together more and force people to have to use their abilities differently. And guess what? It it totally (laughs) did. It completely achieved that goal. And allowed me to simplify the board, which allows me to make the placement more fun Mm -hmm. of the dinosaurs. They were kind of all stuck on one side, and now I'm going to be able to spread them out a bit more. And that's going to make a huge difference, I think, in the game.
0: What we were running into is that you could... Like, you were setting traps and catching dinosaurs. Right. And you could do them both in the same turn. Right. And, like, really the way that I got to what I proposed is I wanted some reason for the dinosaurs to wander.
1: Right, right.
0: So I'm like, well, if I make it so that you and I have to work together, we're going to end up with miscommunications Mm -hmm. where I make the dinosaur wander somewhere, but you don't have any... Way to put a trap. You don't really have a trap to put near him. So, like, then we, you know, it has that kind of, like, chaotic feeling of, like, these dinosaurs are just wandering around.
1: Right. right. Um, Yeah, and you're trying to get them to the right spot, and... So it's it, like that was the genesis, but then
0: you know we kind of built on it from there and, and came up with more ideas. But right. really, I, I just wanted the dinosaurs to walk around. <laughs> right.
1: Yes. And that and that is absolutely what's happening yeah. now. And we lost the game too, barely. Barely. We yeah. needed a couple more turns. We would have won. So I'm we had excited. A of bad decisions. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. But again, it was the first time kind of iterating. Oh, but the, like, the the lava
0: hitting the pterodactyl is what really.
1: Yeah. That was more the, like
0: I, I had the. That was that was was really funny about like the two stage stuff. Uh-huh. Where like I used my turn to make the pterodactyl kind of wander to an area that should have been really easy to lay a trap.
1: Yeah, no, you actually got a trap down. I, really I put a, a trap, trap down. down. Or do you, I got I him wander, over there. You yeah. put a trap down. It was like on Jason's next turn, we're gonna capture that pterodactyl. We've got it all figured out. And then you rolled the die and dropped a lava rock on the, on the pterodactyl's oh, tarodactyl. head okay. and when that happens they a new pterodactyl respawns at their spawn point kind of mm-hmm. like another one is on the scene and you're gonna try and get that one but honestly that was the thing that lost us the game and that, well that was the fun For of, sure. that was the fun of like
0: not being able to do everything on one turn right that, that right back and forth we had
1: right 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 no I, it was it was it was great right. yeah. so really really happy with, uh, with how it worked so
0: yeah, yeah, three games that we got to the point where they're yep. playable. Like we also playable.
1: talked about uh, your game Plussed, yep. um, which right now is about half a game with a lot of ideas of how to make it a full game.
0: Yeah, yeah I have like a framework for what needs to happen.
1: Right. And uh, so I'm going to try and take a hold of that and see if I can't. Uh, well, you're going to clean up the rules and stuff. Yep. Send it over to me and then I'm going to try to see if I can. Uh, it needs a tech tree. Yeah. Which tech trees or variable player things are something that I'm usually pretty good at having kind of a vision for. So well,
0: that's, what's, um, that's what has been kind of fun about designing is that a lot of the times I'm creating a framework mm-hmm. I'm saying like, Oh, it needs like these, need, these, we need to have these three cards that are split up in these ways. Right. right. Um, and I'm creating a framework for like what we ha- have, fill in the blanks and right. then kind of handing it off to Jason and having him right. fill in the blanks.
1: Yeah. Or vice versa. I come to Neil and yep. say, I've got a theme and I want these things to happen, but I don't know how to make them. The three yep. coronations, the perfect example of yep. that it was, Hey, well, Compulse was as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got this cool idea. I've got some mechanics, but I need to understand this. And, you know, one of my weaknesses the in system, design... right? Yeah. One of my weaknesses in designs are systems that are... are is creating non-simple systems. Mm-hmm. I'm great if you want me to create a system that is very, very compact and a very small experience. Like, that's where I think I excel. Mm-hmm. But needing someone to be able to create a system that is bigger that goes, you know, to where you're going to have a game that's 45 minutes to an hour. Like, I'm just not good at designing that. Like, yeah. I really struggle with that. And I'm and, good at uh, making that too complex. <laughs> right, right. So between the two of us, we're able to usually find a middle ground to where Neil might say, well, let's add these five things. i like, let's add three of those five things and try yeah. to do It's funny because with dodgy Dinos, you simplified it. Yeah. And that, so, was, that was
0: the system, right? Like, I, you know, the system, right. system of saying, like, well, if we split these this two steps into individual steps, then yeah. that system should should feel different,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. It should fix the the wonkiness of the system. So, um, so we should get going here. But yes, overall, I mean, my opinion, I would do this one hundred percent again, because in addition to the things we talked about, there's a couple other games we have ideas for that yeah. we got to brainstorm on. Uh, to where I've said I'm gonna go make some ideas for this thing, and you know, um, put some ideas down and see if we can't you know connect again. And Neil and I meet weekly, so we go through a lot of this stuff. Hopefully you'll be able to check back in not too long after Origins to tell you guys how the pitches went. Yep. Uh, likely uh, in the Origins recap episode, I'll at least mention that we that we had pitches and how they went in general, but likely will not give any details. And we may actually record that episode at Origins, so it's possible Neil will just be on that episode. We'll we see. We got our
0: mobile recording so, set up. Yes.
1: Now. Yeah. Neil found a really good mic, uh, and actually is sending me one that I can buy that plugs right into an iPhone with a Lightning adapter and. We're recording on it now, and it sounds amazing, and yep. uh, and that it sounded amazing without even running it through Levelator, which you know Levelator fixes pretty much any problem, I feel like. If you have good, if you have enough volume, uh, Levelator will help fix it for you. So, Neil, any other final thoughts?
0: I am surprised we got as much done as we got done. Yep. Like, I, I didn't think Three Coronations was going to be as close to working as we got it. Like, right. I, knew, I knew that there was a good system to it, but I think we made some changes to where like it, it actually feels really close to what I want it to be.
1: Yep. Yeah, and... That's so important because, again, that allows us to sit down at Origins and, you know, show it to the masses, which should be the first time because you yeah. you and I are the only ones that have ever played yeah, it's it. Ready,
0: it's ready to play at Origins.
1: Right. What What is nice, though, is Neil and I, much like Rob and I, have very different opinions on what kind of games we like. Mm-hmm. So if the game is making both of us happy, I feel <laughs> good about that. Yeah. Right. Uh, I feel like, hey, you know, because there was a point where Neil said, I said, I just feel like this is a little too complex. And Neil said, I love games like this. And I was like. Good, good. I don't. <laughs> Let's figure out how to meet in the middle with that, you know. Or to, to give and say, yep, yeah, this is going to be a little more complex. I need to trust Neil that this is working. Or Neil says, it's a little more simplified than I want it, but I need to trust Jason that it's it's going to work this way. Yeah. So design weekend. Tell your friends. Yep. It's great. <laughs> all right. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at buildingthegamepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com to listen to the show or you can download it on iTunes and all other places like that. Uh, the podcast is at PodcastBTG on Twitter. I'm at J.A. Slingerland. Neil is at Potted Meat. 770 tellbtg btg Give us a call. Uh, we'd love to hear feedback. And uh, good night. Bye. Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and poorly designed studios. All ideas presented by Robin Jason are the property of the Building the Game podcast. We sure hope you'll join us again soon. Until next time. Dial 770 tell BGG please don't use the email